3: And welcome to another episode of Something From The Cellar. Yeah, every Tuesday, I take my heels off, make sure I don't hit my head, and take a trip down to our superbly stocked cellar of archive episodes to pull out some favourite pairings. And today, we're dreaming of the big time. Yeah, Hollywood's calling. It's the promised land for a variety of actors, musicians and presenters we've had on the show over the last four and a half years. And these three have certainly had Tinseltown in their sights and in their grasp across their amazing careers. First up, it's the woman of the moment. Yeah. Hannah Waddingham. Ooh, she's good. She chats about how changing her work schedule after a daughter's health scare led her to think that she would, well, pretty much never work again until she seemingly manifested her role in one of the world's biggest TV shows into existence. Oh, and she shares the fact that she landed a role on Game of Thrones despite being eight and a half months pregnant at the audition. That's how good she is.
4: I had been shooting Krypton for Warner Brothers out in Belfast, just Belfast, but um, my daughter uh, became ill suddenly and randomly, and we still don't quite know why. She had a thing called HSP, which for anyone who knows what that's like, it's really horrific. Um, And when she got ill suddenly, I couldn't get home. Even though I was only in Belfast, the last flight had left that night. Even though I'd spoken to her half an hour earlier, she was absolutely fine. She then woke up, suddenly had all these kind of giraffe splats of brown on her legs, which turned out to be the capillaries bursting on her little leggies, and was vomiting and all the rest of it. And I couldn't get back to her. I tried to charter a helicopter. The producers tried to get me on some boat over there, and I couldn't get back. And I finally got back the following morning. I got the first flight out. And, of course, I arrive at the, at the hospital and she's going, Mommy, look, the bed goes up and down and tips forward and the legs go up. And she was fine-ish. Um, but it, it kind of went on for a few months. But I said to my management, both here and in L.A., on a conference call that day, I said, this is not happening again. Whether that means that I have to, you know, dumb down what I'm doing or be less committed to, to work that might have a possibility of taking me abroad or whatever. I'm perfectly happy to be here, to be doing bits and pieces. I'll do concerts, I'll do voiceovers, I'll do, you know, and, and that, that would be brilliant for any actor, but where they were wanting to take me and where they felt I was moving into the phone went silent and I said, look, I, I get it. I, I don't want it this way either. But I'm first and foremost a mum, and more importantly, a single mum. And I'm happy with that decision. And literally like a month later when my girl was getting better, I stood outside my gar- in my garden and I looked up at the sky. This is no word of a lie. And I just went, do you know what? Thank you so much for pulling her through this. And I don't take it lightly that you've made my daughter better. I know it's going to be dormant in her system for, they said till she's about 10. Um, oh. But I'm really grateful. Is there any way you could give me something that will really just fill our lives and let me do things with her? And as a single mum, will will keep us financially. And also, can I be so cheeky as to say, can, could it be something that shows everything that I can do and things that I don't feel like I've been able to do yet. Um, and is there any way it could just be here and maybe around the corner? And I'm not joking, within two months, the audition came in for Ted Lasso that shoots 40 minutes away from my house. I mean, I, I mean, honestly. Mental, completely mental. Ask the universe, people, it works. <laughs> Wait, honestly,
3: when you told me that, it was like from one single mother to another, I was like, oh my God, that's the greatest gift. Yeah. You can be both. You don't it, it, You don't have to sacrifice one for the no. other.
4: And I've only done it once before. And that was when I was having a hard time with a bloke. And, uh, and I did the same thing. I was like, I think it's probably best if that person jogs on. <laughs> and it worked then as well. Did it? Yeah, I think oh, you gosh. have to really, really mean it and let it in or let whatever that message is out. And I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's too much of a coincidence
3: manifestation though isn't it you keep saying it you put it out there if you will it and want it and open to it then you know somebody comes somebody crosses your path kind of brings me to my first question because I was so thrilled when I read that Jason had gone out on a limb to get you your role in Ted Lasso um I know that they'd seen other people for the role and he liked you and had to kind of convince Apple you know them who are let's call it for what it is a big hollywood studio now and convince them that you don't need a marquee name for this this role you need the right person for this role and i've got her and he really yeah. went out on a limb for you, he wasn't they? he
4: wasn't having any of it he was um he just said that when he and i met i was i was called out to la for a chemistry read with him and i just thought oh well this will go to as i call one of the famouses and, <laughs> so and it was really got good. Them. Yeah, The Famouses. <laughs> the Famouses. Oh, it's The Famouses. Famouses. You're, you're
5: and, one uh, of them because now. Been,
4: no, but no, you know me. I'm, that's never going to wash with me. I'm just, no. For me, I'm a jobbing actress to a greater or lesser extent, and that's it, and that's fine for me. Um, but I went over for this um, chemistry read with him, and we just immediately got on like a house on fire on a very low-key you know, hello, hello, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing this. Have they told you much about it? And I was like, no. And he went, what, we've we've just sent you the scenes? I was like, yeah, just the Rebecca scenes. They had no clue about uh, the Rupert character, no clue about what she and Ted would mean to each other, no clue about Keely. And I think just on a very basic level, Jason and I just got on. And he obviously liked what I did, and then when I came home I didn't hear anything for ages and I just thought, Okay, well that was that. I know I couldn't have done any better with the material. I felt the character really ripple through my bloodstream and I thought, okay, well they've gone for a famouser, and that's that's fine. Um but apparently no, he had just gone I I knew it was her when she walked in the room. And why why do you need to go for someone else when she is how I imagined her sounding, sounding. how I imagined her looking.
3: Wow. Before Jason crossed your path, has anybody else featured in your life that's enabled you to go on to do something bigger, better, greater, to be more? Somebody that's also put themselves out for you?
4: Yeah. In, in fact, um, David Benioff and Dan Weiss, the two exec producers and creators of Game of Thrones... Did just that, both for Thrones and for Ted Lasso, and not really? many people know that. Yeah, that in a, in a moment of of wanting to um, push the ball over the line, um, David Benioff and Dan Weiss kind of butted in and went, "Why are you even questioning it? Wow, give it to her." Yeah. So when you yeah. went up for Thrones, it was already established. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't. Oh like my you god, it was, so scratch. it was huge. It was so established. And um, because I'd been doing theatre, I wasn't I was aware of it, of course, but I had been so busy doing theatre and eight shows a week and just it, you know, it's it's hardcore doing theatre. It really is. It's a vocation very much. And so I knew of it, of course. So it was season five that I went into. And When I went for the audition for it, I don't know if I've ever told you this, I was nearly eight and a half months pregnant, like pregnant from the cheekbones out. You know when your face joins in in the last yeah. month? <laughs> face and ankles. I was. I was like <laughs> yeah. that. My ankle, I literally looked like a case study. My feet were like a case study. And, um, and I walked in and honestly, I genuinely thought I was in the wrong place because all the women were like 70 odd and about five foot two. And about 20 feet wide. And I was like, right. I appreciate that I'm pregnant at the moment, but I'm definitely in the wrong casting. And apparently I'd been put in as the wild card. Really? Yeah. So when I went in for the meeting and met David and Dan, um, I was a bit like, hello. I don't really know why I'm here. And I know nothing about Gamers' Thrones <laughs> Because i am really pregnant in, and I'm so pregnant, I might have an accident right here. Um, <laughs> and I just went, I just went, I don't, they said, um, so you know about Cersei? And I went, I really don't. I really don't. And they said, oh, well, you know, she's the, she's the queen and blah, blah, blah. And this woman is the first woman who's ever kind of come up against her and not been affected by Cersei. And I was like, okay. so I did the did the casting and it was it was really lovely because Nina Gold the casting director I just kind of went oh anyway thanks for seeing me and I accidentally smacked the 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 ladle a wooden ladle on the casting assistant's leg and in the middle of the take when I meant to be really nasty I went oh my god darling you all right and when I came back for my recall David Benioff and Dan Weiss just went that made us laugh so much. It was like <laughs> you were this menacing person who's going to kill someone and then you turned into Joanna Lumley suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, yes, that's me, acty person, and then the real me being quite concerned that I'd literally just smack the shit out of this woman's ankle <laughs> on her shin.
3: But that moment, really, you think about it, it's so pivotal because that ignited something in them for you, which then led not not only to Thrones, but to Ted Lasso. I mean...
4: yeah. And And I literally, I'm not joking, I went along to that casting for Game of Thrones as a kind of, hello, I didn't want to miss the casting. I clearly can't help you out at the moment (laughs) because I'm about to give birth, but I just wanted to come and say hello for next time, which I think a lot of actors would do. You know, I know Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly right for this, but I'm coming and say hello for next time. And Nina Gold came chasing out after me and went, do you think, I mean, this shoots in nine weeks. Is this something you'd consider? And I was literally like, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> little little yeah. did you know. I mean, and I just went, I, I literally went home to one of my best mates and went, Right, if this happens, you're coming with me to Dubrovnik. And she went, When? And I went, Imminently. <laughs> <laughs> nine weeks. Yeah. And so my daughter was nine, she was eight weeks old when I went out there with my friend and had a really embarrassing moment of, being in my um wimple and habit nun's habit (laughs) and i could hear my daughter crying like Uh. off stage as it were behind a building for that first part of the walk of shame and i thought oh my god i'm gonna start lactating through my (laughs) because
3: the moment you hear them cry your boobs your boobs oh my god
4: i thought they're literally it's gonna be like oh god but thankfully not but if, when I look at that first part of The Walk of Shame, and Lena, who's been a great pal ever since, Lena Headey, was just like, baby, you all right? And I went, not really. I'm truly really <laughs> suffering like postpartum.
0: <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
2: FlushCare.com slash weight loss.
3: Next up is Hollywood superstar Luke Evans, who, despite all his glorious charm, wasn't always as suave and sophisticated as you might think. He told me about getting some great advice from Liam Neeson as he bluffed and blagged his way through his first proper acting gig, in fact, his first day on set, and then almost went on to miss out on his role in The Hobbit. What about the roles that have taught you the most, the sets that were the, the greatest um, classrooms?
6: Well, I think um, the one I always remember, it was the first set I was ever on, which was um, Clash of the Titans. I'll just put it in context. I'd never stepped foot on a film set. I'd never stepped foot on a television set. I had never done a television advert. All I knew was this stage of 30 foot by 20, 30 foot back facing an audience. So I turned up on that day, and I had hair extensions down to my waist. I was put in 24 karat gold-plated armor, so I couldn't really walk properly. I looked fantastic <laughs> on the set, but still, it was a lot. It was a lot. And, I, and, I, and I'd never stepped foot on a film set in my life. And my first scene was with Liam Neeson playing my dad, Zeus, and Ray Fiennes playing my uncle, Hades. Oh, my God, I'm panicking for you. At lit, can you imagine? And I had to just blag my way through it and make them think that i had been doing this. Because nobody questions you. They just maybe they don't know who you are. They just assume you've been doing this your whole life. No, I had never... It was like first day of college. Like, I was like, oh, my God, like, watching and learning. And that day was a day I'll never forget with these two incredible actors, you know, and I'm there, little Luke from... From musical theatre, now pretending to be a film actor in gold armor and long locks, you know, and and that's how it was. And I remember having a conversation with Liam that after, that lunchtime when we were we couldn't sit down; the armor was not wouldn't allow us to sit down. <laughs> so we had these leaning boards, so you'd you'd start and you would just lean back, you just be leaning. So, so, me, Hollywood. so Hollywood, so Hollywood. We'd have these leaning boards, and me and Liam just standing with all our locks and his beard, and he's like, "So, uh, what's your story, Luke?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm from this. I'm Welsh." He's like, "Oh, fantastic." And then I said, any advice for a young actor who's just starting out? He said, uh, remember this, he said, you won't appreciate it now, but he said, you'll remember this later on in your career, is that the only power you have as, an, as a performer, as an artist, is to say no. Because sometimes when you say no, you allow yourself to be available. And sometimes when you, when, when you have said yes... The control is out of your hands. You've said yes and you are part of the journey and you're on that train and it ain't going to stop until it gets to the station. Yeah. And But the only control and power you have as an actor is to say no. And sometimes saying no allows you to say yes to something further on that you don't know about right now, which will change your life or change your career. And he was absolutely right. So what did you say no to that
3: became an opportunity in disguise?
6: There was, the, um, there was a few moments in my life where I've said no to something, and um, and it worked out. But the one that's really ironic is I had signed to do a movie, uh, I was gonna play a psychopath in a, in a movie called No One Lives, bit of a spoiler alert there. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I got a call after 18 months prior to this moment, I had auditioned for The Hobbit and I hadn't got any response, I forgot about it. They'd actually started shooting at that point, and then they got to the. They got a few months before they were going to start filming Bard the Bowman, and so they were going through audition tapes. And sure enough, after eighteen months, they'd come across my audition tape. The agent then called me and said, "They want you to fly to New Zealand. Peter wants to audition you, screen test you." And I went, "But tomorrow morning, I'm flying to New Orleans to do this low budget independent psychopath movie, and I couldn't get out of it. And so I had to say no. And you said no to the Hobbit." but I had to, I had no choice. I couldn't get on a plane and go to New Zealand. I was signed to do this movie and I had to say no. Oh, and I, so I got on that plane that morning thinking that was my moment. That was my moment and it's gone. Cause I have to say no, I couldn't say no. I couldn't say yes, I just had to say no. And anyway, got off the plane the next uh, 12 hours later in New Orleans, my phone came on and uh, they said, Peter liked you so much that he's going to give you the job from your audition tape you did two years ago. No. Yeah, yeah. So I went from this low-budget, blood-fest, psychotic murdering film on a plane, not home, but from New Orleans to New Zealand, and then I stayed there for a year. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's not the exact Liam Neeson story, but there was a no that turned into a yes. And, yes. W- you know, there's moments like that in your career where you just got to just go with your instinct and also go with whatever you have to do and accept the the, the inevitable outcome, you know.
3: Yeah. Only sweat <laughs> about the stuff that you can control the outcome of. Yeah, wow, exactly that, right, yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank God your
6: audition <laughs> tape was that good. I mean, I'd love to see it. It's probably shit. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It got you where you need Doesn't to Doesn't matter, be. yeah.
3: Finally, I couldn't not include this little snippet from Alec Jones, whose own jet-setting career began when he was still at school. As in, he turned down an appearance, wait for it, on America's biggest television show because he had a school football match to get back for. True story.
5: My mum and dad were clever. At the time, they made me go to school to the local comprehensive Monday to Friday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday we'd be jetting off wherever. Apart from one year, with my O level year, where I missed half the year because it was we were everywhere. Um, so that I, that I,
3: makes me laugh because you literally would be like on top of the pops and then back in school. Back in
5: school on Monday, yeah, keeping completely quiet about what I'd been on or what I'd been doing. So Monday to Friday, I had a normal school existence. So I would I tell you a story just how normal it was and how stupid I was. And this is my Homer Simpson. Dope moment, okay? I was singing the Hollywood Bowl in LA and I had three concerts with the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra. And two people came up to me after the first night and said, Oh, we're from the um, Johnny Carson show in Hollywood. And Johnny was in the audience tonight. He loves your music.
3: So, for anyone that doesn't know, Johnny Carson is American Talk Show.
5: The biggest show in the world, the, I mean, yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, like, he was the original.
5: Yeah. The OG. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was the original. And and he, they basically said, he wants to devote the whole show to you. You'd sing, and he'll interview you, and it'll be just the whole show. My mum and dad didn't know who Johnny Carson was, and so they looked at me as if to say, well, you know, how do you feel about that? It means you have to stay a week longer. And I went, oh, no. I've got a football match with the school, and I really miss my girlfriend. No, it's okay. We'll go back home. <laughs> what a an idiot, <laughs> that's my you know, where would I be now? Hollywood with loads of problems and loads Vegas of money, with, Vegas with Donny Osmond. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, so you know, I literally blew out the best, biggest show in the world because David Hughes, comprehensive at a footy match.
3: <laughs> but that's probably why you've survived this entire experience with your sanity intact,
1: yeah, maybe. Ah, uh, thanks
3: so much for listening to this edition of Something From The Cellar. If you want to listen to those episodes in full, scroll through our back catalogue or simply search for the guest name in your search bar. This week, we featured Hannah Waddingham, Luke Evans and Allie Jones. I hope that's enough entertainment to keep you tied over until I'm back on Friday with a brand new guest. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.
4: White Wine Question Time is a Stack Production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.
2: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns